It has to do with the fact that I know all his passwords, <laughs> and he doesn't. It's job security. I can go nowhere. I am safe. I am good. So I am thrilled that you're here with us today. It is the first week, full week of our Transform series. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into God's word today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today. God, we thank you that you have brought us into family. God, we thank you that we can gather together like this, together praising you, worshiping you, and learning from you. And God, I just pray today that as I speak, that you would use the words that I say, filter them through the Holy Spirit, and speak into every life that is in this room or is watching online today. And God, we will give you the glory for everything we know that you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So over the next seven weeks, we are going to be looking at seven areas of our lives where we could use some transformation. Now, let me just say this off the bat. If you are here today or you are watching online today and you say, you know what, my life is good. I don't need to make any changes. You got seven weeks off, okay? Because first of all, we could use your chair, okay? But second of all, if you are like me and you say, you know what, there's some areas of my life I would like to see some changes made, this is the series for you. So I know life gets hard, and I know life gets busy, but here's what I want to encourage you with today, to make a commitment to say, for the next seven weeks, come what may, to the best of my ability, I am going to be in service on a Sunday morning. See, if I was a doctor standing here and I said, you know what, you need some help, you need some, for a condition that you have, you're, there's some treatment for you. And I said, for the next seven weeks, I need you to go somewhere. You would move heaven and earth to make sure that you got there. Right? So for seven weeks, I'm encouraging you to be here as we look at how we can transform our lives. Our verse for the seven weeks is on the front of your journal for those who have it. And then for the rest of us, it's found in Romans 12, verse 2. And for the next seven weeks, our theme verse is, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is that important? Why are we talking about mind? See, here's the thing. How you think determines how you feel, which leads to what your actions are. Okay? Okay? It all starts up here. So if I want to make a change in my life, I don't start with my feelings. If I need something to be not quite the way it is at the moment, if I need to act differently, I don't try and fix my actions. I start with my mind. If I am acting angry, it's because I am feeling angry, because I am thinking angry thoughts. If I'm anxious, depressed, stressed, it's because I am feeling anxious, depressed, stressed, because I am thinking thoughts that go along with that. If we want to change the areas of our lives that we're going to be looking at, it all starts with our thoughts. And so for the next seven weeks, we are going to be concentrating on neck up. What can we change up here that is therefore going to trickle down to every part of our lives? So for the next seven weeks, we are looking at Today, I'm going to look at spiritual health. We're looking at physical health, mental health, emotional health. 
We're going to look at relational health, financial health, vocational health. Seven areas of our lives where, if we are honest, most of us would say, you know what, I need to change some things. Something needs to give for me. Why do I think this is going to be such a life-changing, church-changing series for us? Here is why. Transformation changes us from emptiness to fullness. Transformation changes us from defeat and failure to faith and victory. Transformation changes us from insecurity and inferiority to courage and boldness. And transformation moves us to being all that God wants us to be. And today we are going to start with spiritual health. And the reason we are starting with spiritual health today is because the further away I get from God, the more trouble I will have in my life. The further that space between me and God, the more trouble I'm going to face, the more crises, the more difficulties, the more stress. Oftentimes when those things are happening in my life, it points to the fact that I've moved away from where I need to be. That I'm not living the way that I should be living. That I'm not in sync with my creator. That I'm trying to do things my own way. In fact, Proverbs tells us bluntly how this works. It says, the way of the unfaithful is hard. It is hard work to try and do it my way. It is hard work to move away from God. But the beautiful thing is this. The closer I get to God, the more my life is going to be transformed. The closer I get to God. So what do I need to do? I need to get close to God. If I want changes in my life, if I'm tired of living the way that I've been living, if I say, you know what, it is just not working on my own, it starts with I need to move myself closer to God. And this morning I want to look at one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It's a parable. You guys know that a parable is a story that Jesus told in order to make a point. And today I'm going to look at one of the most famous parables, and I want to read that to you. And today I want to read you the story of the prodigal son. And over there in Luke 15, it says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, 
His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And here we have this incredible picture that Jesus is painting with this story. And we all know that in this story, we represent the prodigal son. And the loving father is, represented, is representing God. See, we have this selfish son. He wants what's his. And he wants to do whatever he wants with it. Without consequences, he just wants gimme, gimme, gimme. And he goes and he squanders everything that the father gives him. Wastes it all. And before long, he finds himself in a, such a desperate state that he has to work with pigs. Now remember this. He was a Jew. It wasn't just that the pigs are disgusting and dirty. It was the fact that they are not kosher. He wasn't supposed to be anywhere near pigs. Wasn't supposed to touch them. And this is where he finds himself until he wakes up and says, I need to get back home. The servants at my dad's house have plenty to eat. And he heads home where the father doesn't just wait for him to get out the door. The father sees him from a ways off, runs to him, and they throw a huge party. And from this story, I want to look at three things, three ways that we can learn from this story when it comes to us. No matter where we are in our Christian walk, no matter where we are in our faith, how do I get closer to God? And the first thing is this, we need to get hungry. In this story, the prodigal son, he was physically hungry. We as believers, we as a person, we as a church need to get spiritually hungry. We need to say we're not happy where we are. We want to get closer to God. We want to move closer to where God wants us to be. I, I, I love this church. I love coming here on a Sunday mornings. I love seeing everybody. It is truly like family. And I love the fact that we're kind of known as that. We are known as somewhere where we are warm, we are welcoming, where everyone, and I say everyone in capital letters, is welcome no matter what. I love that about our church. I love that we are known as a church where we reach out and help others. That no matter how cold and how disgusting it is, we're out on the streets with a mobile soup kitchen feeding people. I love the fact that our crazy lead pastor promises some random lady on a Caribbean island that we will build her a house. <laughs> that he mentions it one week. One week he mentions it. And one week later, so many of you showed up to help that I ran out of application forms and I had to print more. I love that about our church. 
But here's what I'd love in 2024. I would love if as individuals and as a body, that Genesis Church was known as the place where we got spiritually hungry, where we said we're not settling for where we are right now, that we want more. We're not happy with the relationship we have with God. We want to move in to what he has for us, that we know that there is more ahead for us. I want us to be known as that church where we dive into God's word, where we spend time with God, where we really are known as a church where we are close to God. I'd love to be known as that church where we say, you know what? I'm tired of being tired all the time. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of being stressed. I'm tired of not living and not feeling like things are going anywhere. I'm like a hamster on a wheel. I'm tired of it. You know what? I got to get closer to God because I know there's more for me and there is better for me. Now, some of you may sit here today and you, say, you may say, you know what? I'm good. Listen, I'm sitting in church on Sunday. I have a relationship with God. I, I'm doing okay where I am. I remember as a young, young girl, more years ago than I would care to admit, growing up in Scotland. And I remember hearing about this food called pizza. <laughs> Had no idea what pizza was. But then I learned it was like all of my favorite foods in one. <laughs> so you have bread, and you have cheese, and you put tomatoes on there. And not only do you put them together, then you heat it up and the cheese melts, and you get this ooey gooey delicious thing. And I remember thinking, this is good. And here was the great part. You could go to your supermarket and go to the freezer, and they were right there in the freezer section of the supermarket. And it was like, wow, this might be the best thing ever. Then I got a little bit older. And the city that was a, a, about an hour's drive from us, um, Aberdeen in the northeast of Scotland, we used to have to go there to go shopping basically for anything we needed. We had to go to the city. And I remember there was a restaurant opened there. And it was called Pizza Land. <laughs> and all they served was pizza. But wait, it got better. They put things on the pizza. <laughs> and I discovered that you could put ham and pineapple on top of a pizza. Forget the frozen pizza. I have arrived. I now can go to a restaurant and they bring it out freshly baked with all these delicious things on top of it. It doesn't get any better than this. Until I was 15. And I came to America for the first time. And I came to Long Island. And I was introduced to Long Island, New York pizza. I should call child services. I was 15 by the time I had real pizza, just uh, heads up. <laughs> but here's the thing. If I had not done that, young Charlotte thought that frozen pizza from the supermarket was the best thing ever. Because at that point, I didn't know any better. And you may be sitting here today and you're like, I'm good. My relationship with God is good. I'm here. I don't need to grow anymore. Here's what I got to tell you. You're eating frozen pizza. There's more. There's toppings. There's fresh out of the oven. There's huge. God has so much more for you. But you got to get spiritually hungry where you say, I want more. I'm tired of settling for frozen. 
I want fresh. I want carnival. I want pizza. <laughs> right? See, you may think you've arrived, but listen, even the Apostle Paul knew how this worked. In Philippians 3, he says this, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He knew. He wrote most of the New Testament. He was pretty close to God, but he knew he wasn't there yet. He knew that there was more for him. And for each and every one of us sitting in here today or listening online, here's what I want to tell you. God's got more for you. You may be a baby in the faith. You may not quite have got to the faith yet. God wants more for you. You may have been in the faith for five years, five decades, whatever it is. There's more ahead for you. We just need to get spiritually hungry. Here's the amazing part that, it, that always blows my mind the more I, I think about it. See, here, God wants us to be as close to him as possible. He wants to be in a close relationship with each and every one of us, but he's not going to impose himself on any of us. He gives us free will. Now, he's going to try and get your attention, and some of those things that you have been going through that you're blaming on the man downstairs is actually God knocking. And he says in the book of Revelation, he tells you this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Some of you, the door is still closed. You have not entered into a relationship with God and you're sitting on your couch watching your TV wondering what the banging is. And it's God knocking on the door of your life, asking to come in. And here, I got to tell you this. You can make the TV louder and louder and louder. He's still going to keep knocking. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Some of you have got off your couch. You've gone to the door. You've opened the door a hair, but you still got the chain on. And you're trying to have a relationship with God through the little crack in your door. It doesn't work. He needs to come in. He wants to come in. But he's waiting for you to say, you know what, God, I'm not happy with where things are right now. I need to get closer to you. I want to invite you in. I want you to come have a meal with me. I want to spend time with you. I want to build a relationship and get closer to you than I already am. See, God will, re will reveal himself fully to us when we become hungry for him. When we're not happy eating frozen pizza. When we say, you know what, God, I want the best. And possibly we move then on to the steaks, just saying. Forget the pizza, right? But God, you know what? I'm not settling anymore. I want more from you. First step in spiritual transformation is this. I got to get hungry. I got to get fed up with where I am right now. I got to say, you know what, God, I know there's more. There has to be more. And say that I want to move in to that. The second part, of spiritual transformation is this. I own up to my sin. If we go back to our story there, we will find that that's what the prodigal son did in uh, verse 17 and 18 of that Luke 15. It says this, when he came to his senses, he woke up. 
He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Two steps here. Number one, he came to his senses. And for some of us sitting here today, we need to say, you know what? I'm not doing it right. I know I'm not doing it right. I'm not in a good place. I know I've put myself here. I know I'm the only one to blame. But I need to get smart here. And the second part is he admitted he owned up to what he had done. Last line there, I have sinned against God and against you. He knew what he had done, and he owned up to it. We need to recognize that trying to live my own way is crazy. That trying to do things my own way is never going to work. And then I need to acknowledge that I have sinned. I've been living my way, not God's way. I may have been straddling both sides, doing a bit of God, a bit of mine. But it's not been working out for me. And the problem with sin is this. Isaiah says this about sin. It says, your sins have separated you from God. Any sin that comes into my life causes this chasm between me and God. It separates me from God. It means that I can't live to my full potential because I'm not in sync with my creator. It means that I'm not doing the things that I should be doing, and therefore I'm not able to move in to all the things that God has in store for me. Now, here's the thing about sin. Sins can be obvious, or they may not be obvious. We are very good at noticing the sins in others. And for some people, the sin that they are partaking of is obvious. But then there's other sins that nobody else can see, but we kind of know. And sitting here today, it may be that you have a sin that you think nobody else could see, so is it really a sin? It may be today that you are sitting here and you've created an idol in your life. And when I talk about an idol, I'm not talking about a statue in a bedroom that you bow down to. I'm talking about those things that take up your time and your mental bandwidth. The things that you think about, the things that you dwell on, the things that you prioritize, they've become idols to you. It may be your job, your business, success. Maybe your house, your car. Maybe your looks, your wardrobe, your social standing. It may be how many likes you get on social media. Whatever it may be, it may be that that is what you have raised up and that is now an idol to you. And so we have to search our hearts and say, is anything that I'm putting, prioritizing above God? That's sin. Here's the other thing about sin. Sin can be insidious. It can creep in when you least expect it. You may not even notice that there is sin happening in your life because you've just kind of got used to the way of doing it. Or it may be, you know what? It's what everybody else is doing, so how could that be wrong? And we have to be especially careful in a world where moral values are really flexible. Just because they're doing it, if it goes against God's word, it is not right. 
And if I partake of it, then I am sinning. See, here's what I want to do today is actually I'm going to give you some practical homework to do. Because here's the thing. The Bible encourages us to do a spiritual checkup. In the book of Psalms 139, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God. But you got to say it. In the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, the message puts it pretty clearly. It says this, test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. I am learning that the older I get, there is a correlation between the number of candles on my birthday cake and the number of doctor's visits that I go to every year. They seem to be in sync. Now, most of those doctor's visits that I have gone on in the past couple of years, because apparently 50 is the magic number, that most of those have been for checkups. Why is that important? Because it is easier to nip something in the bud when it is small than to try and fix it when it is huge. And sin's like that. If you let sin fester and grow, it can be a cancer in your life. And so today I am encouraging you to do a spiritual checkup at some point this week. Now, it may be you want to do it by yourself. It may be that you want to recruit somebody and you do it together, and then you explain to each other what needs to change, how things need to be different. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to do a spiritual checkup this week. Now, right about now, you're all panicking because you're like, and what am I supposed to do? Here's the good part. If you have a book, you're going to go to page 217 in your book, and you are going to find it in there. If you don't have a book, there is a table next to the barn doors right back there, and I put a pile of them on there for you. Do a spiritual checkup this week. Look and see, is there anything that is in my life that is being prioritized over God? Is there any sin that has crept up into my life that I'm not really 100% aware of? And then what do you do? You confess it to God. You say, God, I found this. I need to confess it to you. Now, the good part is that I have a script for that too. King David, one of the heroes of the faith, killer of Goliath, wrote most of the Psalms, had an affair, killed his mistress's lover. In Psalms, he wrote this, Psalm 53. 51, he says, God, be merciful to me because of your faithful love. Because of your great compassion, erase all the wrongs I have done. Scrub away all my guilt. Wash me clean from my sin. I know I have done wrong. I remember that sin all the time. I did what you said is wrong. You are the one I have sinned against. I say this so that people will know that I am wrong 
and you are right. What you decided is fair. I know I have done wrong. I know I messed up. And right there, David says, you know what? I'm owning up to my sins. I know what I did wasn't right. And that's where we need to get to, too. As we examine ourselves, as we look inside of ourselves, we say, you know what? This is not right. God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm confessing it to you. I'm laying it before you. And in your mercy, I'm giving it. Whether it be an obvious sin or whether it not be an obvious sin, I'm passing it on to you. And here's the beautiful thing. I can already tell you what God's going to say because it's in his word. Isaiah chapter 1, it says this. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you white as wool. This is the OxyClean verse of the Bible, okay? No matter what you have done, no matter how far you have fallen, no matter how deep this sin has taken you away from God, God says, it's gone. Just give it to me. I'll take care of it. It's going to disappear. That's where we need to get to in life, where we say, no matter how far I have fallen, I'm going to confess it to God because I know that he's going to take that away and I can move into a closer relationship with him. How do I undergo a spiritual transformation? I get hungry. I own up to my sin. And finally, I offer up my life. The prodigal son got fed up with his life. Then he owned up to what he did. And finally, he offered up. We see a progression in this story here. In verse um, 12 of Luke 15, he said this. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Seven verses later, it says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, he leaves his father's house saying, gimme, 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 gimme. He returns to his father's house saying, make me. And that's transformation. The greatest transformation we can undertake is from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. When I move from it's all about me and I move to a place where I say, it's all about God. Charlotte doesn't matter anymore. I just want what God wants for me. I want to live a way that is pleasing to God. I want to move into everything that God has for me. We started out with our theme verse in Romans 12 too, but if you back that up, walk back one verse. In Romans 12, 1, it says this. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. That is the true worship that you should offer. And then we move on to, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, there can be no transformation until I offer my life up to God, until I move from this life is all about me 
to my life being all about God. And here's what I want to say this morning. You may sit here and you say, may say, hey, life is good. I'm good where I'm at. And here's the honest truth. You are sitting in the United States of America. Your life is good. It is a lot better than a lot of people's in this world. But you can be sitting here with a good life and still not be living the better life that God has planned and wants to give it to you, have, let you have. It's not just about being here on a Sunday. Not just about a quick verse here and there that I read in the Bible. It's all about relationship. There is so much more for us. How do I move into it? How do I get closer to God? I got to get hungry. I got to say, you know what? I want more. I want more of God. I want more of his Holy Spirit. I want more of what he has planned for me. I want more of what he wants to give me. I got to own up to my sin. Instead of brushing it under the rug, trying to hide it from myself and from everybody else, I got to examine myself and say, you know what? This is not right because it will fester and it will grow cancerous. And that little thing you are doing that you say, it's no big deal. Nobody knows it won't hurt anybody is hurting the person who is doing it. And that is you. Because any sin in your life is coming between where God wants you to be and where you are. And finally, we got to offer up our lives. We got to admit, you know what, God, this is not my life. It's not all about Charlotte. It's not all about what I want. It's not all about what makes me feel good. It's about what you want for me because I know ultimately that's going to make me feel better than any other thing that I could think that I'm going to partake in. And so this Sunday morning, we look at three ways. If we want to be spiritually transformed, three ways that each and every one of us can move into that. Let's bow our heads. Today, some of you are sitting here, and you're sitting here, and you're thinking back, and you're saying, you know what? I used to be a lot closer to God. Right now, I sometimes feel like my prayers bounce off the ceiling, and they're not quite getting through. I'm not in that relationship that I once was with God. And here's what I want to just tell you and remind you this morning. If there is something coming between your relationship with God, here's the bottom line. God didn't move. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And so today, if you're sitting here and that is you, today's a day for you to say, you know what, God? It's time for me to step closer to you. I need to get close to you. I confess the things I've done. I offer you my life. I need more. Some of you are sitting here this morning, and you sit here week after week, but you still got the door closed, and God is banging on the door, and he wants to be a part of your life, and you still haven't made that step to get to the door and open it and let him in. And today, I just want to remind you, you are never going to find peace and fulfillment in this life until you take the next step and ask Christ to come into your life. All it takes is you admitting that you need someone. All it takes is you saying, you know what, God, I believe that you sent your son to die for me, and today I come and I say, please be a part of my life. 
All it takes is you saying, you know what, I confess that there are things I've done are wrong, but I also know that you promised to take those things and you make them disappear as far as the east is from the west. I never need to think about them, dwell on them, have guilt about them again, because as soon as I confess them to you, they are gone. Wherever you are this morning as you sit here, I just want to take a moment and for you in your heart, for you to talk to God and say, you know what, today I need to move closer. Or today is a day I want to have a relationship with you. Let's just pray for a second. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the fact that you love each and every one of us so much that you want what is best for us, that you love us so much that you want to have a relationship with us, that you think we are the greatest thing going and you want us to be, have you as part of our lives. And so God, today I pray for those who may be sitting here and they don't feel as close to you as they once did. And God, I pray today would be the beginning of a new chapter in their relationship with you. God, help every single one of us to get hungry, to want you more, to want to move into what you have for us, to want to be everything that you had planned for us. God, help us when it is so hard to find those sins that are in our lives that are eating away at us. God, help us to lay those out before you and to know that when we do, that they are gone. And God, I also pray that you would help each and every one of us to offer our lives up to you. To say it's now, no longer is it my, 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 but now it's yours, yours, yours. How do you want me to live? How do you want me to think? What do you want me to say? God, what is it that you want? Because I know that that's way better than I could ever think or imagine. And God, I pray today for those who are sitting here and they haven't quite opened the door yet to allow you to move into their lives. And God, I pray today would be the day where they say, it's time. I know that I want to move into everything that God has planned for me and has for me. And today's the day I want to move into that. And God, we thank you for that. Amen. Hey, let me just say, if today is a day and you've sat here and you've said, you know what, today's the day where I want to start a relationship with God. Today's the day where I want to. I've never done it before, but today I want to be a child of God. I want to leave here knowing that my eternity is settled, that my life has purpose and has meaning and because God has a plan for me. If that is you, I'm going to ask you on your way out, if you go through the barn doors, go left and go to what we call the front desk. And tell them today you made a commitment and they will give you a little book for you to follow with answers in it. Know that we are always available here at Genesis as a staff to answer any questions that you have. But today can be a new day for you. Now, I may have told a bit of a lie because I said there were three things in the story of the prodigal son that helps us to get closer to God. But actually, there's four. See, he got hungry. He owned up to his sin. He offered up his life, and then he went home, and they had a party. And so today, here's what we're going to do. You will never feel closer to God than when you praise God 
and have a party. So today we are going to finish with we are going to praise God and move into everything he has for us. So stand and join with the band.